Geeks Alliance, a show where we talk about wrestling and a bunch of other stuff. And damn, do we have a slobber knocker of a night for you guys tonight. But uh, seriously, how are you guys doing out there? I'm going to do that every single time. Just go re- really, really calm into it. But um, yeah, Wrestling Geeks Alliance on my birthday. You know, it's kind of fucked up I'm working on my birthday, but I love doing this, so I don't mind doing it as much. Uh, but with me tonight, of course, is my co-host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. How was your Thanksgiving, sir? It was wonderful, man. Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Thank you very much for the birthday compliment. Uh, and my Thanksgiving was great. I ate a lot of food. I hung out with family. Slept a lot. Uh, caught up on television. I mean, we were just talking about that in the pre-show. But, uh, yeah, you know, had a good time. Uh, but... You know, there was a little bit of wrestling that happened, Chris. Uh, should we get into some wrestling topics right off the back? I have a question for you, first and foremost. When did you go up to Shoot. Boston? Um, I went up when to Boston back in March for St. Patty's Day. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was around your birthday, but it was around a different holiday. I was going to be like, holy shit, we've been doing this almost a year. And actually thinking about it, we still have almost been doing this for a year. So... <laughs> Feels good, Crazy. man. Eventually, I'm going to find out the number amount that we're at. I probably will never do that. Me and Joan always joke. <laughs> uh, I have no idea which number we're at. Uh, probably, I'm going to assume uh, 344. There you go. That's a made-up number. This is episode 344. So, since we're at that point, let's talk about some news, Chris. Um, I got a couple things I'd like to talk to you about. All right, so my first uh, news item is I labeled it NXT Invasion um, for you guys when you look at our, our news items. And what I'm referring to, now this is all just rumors and speculation, but we have three uh, female, three or two, I'm sorry, three-person teams now uh, on Raw and SmackDown, one led by Paige uh, with uh, Sonya Deville and really tan girl. What's her name? Mandy Rose? Uh, did I get that right, Chris? Yes. Okay, and then we have Ruby Riot with, um, oh, man. I went over all their names right before the friggin' show, and I'm forgetting. Sarah Logan, and uh, I know the other one because she's been on NXT forever. Liv, uh, Liv Tyler. No, that's not it. Um, help me out, Chris. Uh, I'm blanking. We're talking about on Raw right, well, right now? Well, I'm talking about how Raw has one team with Paige, Sonya Deville, and Mandy Rose, and then Smash Riot has her little Riot Squad uh, with her and uh, Sarah Logan, um, who is from the uh, the tournament, and then also the veteran. Forgot she's basically Liv. Carmella, but she's from she's blonde and she's from um, like the exact same gimmick. I don't remember. Well, you have Liv, Liv Morgan, maybe. Liv, Either Liv Morgan, so Ruby Riot, Riot, and Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Logan. Was NXT. We have a bunch of NXT stars coming there. And the reason why people are starting to speculate about an NXT invasion is because, well, WWE likes to repeat stuff. So they just had pretty good success ratings-wise with the invasion angle between SmackDown. Uh, there's lots of speculation and uh, concept that that might have been them – trying something to see if something else could work uh, with Daniel Bryan having a no comment towards, towards uh, attitude towards the riot squad that's now on uh, SmackDown and also Oscar acting the way that she did. 
Chris, do you think that there could be some type of NXT invasion happening? And if they did this, could they actually pull it off, or would it probably fizzle out and fuck up kind of like the WCW invasion? It depends on how they go about it. I, I think it would be it would be really cool if they decide to do a full NXT versus SmackDown in Raw um, instead of separating out where they're attacking two different brands. Because to me, like any war, you don't want to fight on two different fronts. You know, like as, as whoever is leading this NXT invasion, if they go that route, you don't want to fight on two different fronts in general. Um, so it would be more of like a joint effort, like all against you know, SmackDown and Raw, like SmackDown and Raw coming together or, uh, you know, NXT choosing one or the other. So the fact that they're splitting them out, I don't, I don't necessarily know where they're going to go with that. And that's my problem with how it would fizzle out um, possibly is that the NXT roster is definitely not as large as, you know, SmackDown or Raw. Um, I think there's good depth there and I think there's some cool stuff you could do. Uh, but it, wh- I, what are you going to do with Let me if ask you're going to do factions? If, if, if we're talking in your direction, like if this were to be NXT versus both Raw and SmackDown, what if, would it be too much and just get out of control if they threw in the 205 guys and the uh, UK guys involved in the mix to kind of even out the whole thing? Uh, where it gets weird is 205 is technically Raw, right? Yeah. Supposedly. So, And then UK is not really shown private like in in high regard as far as on you know the weekly shows so it just becomes like a weird thing uh and and you know the other thing is like these people have to get victories so when you start bringing up the male talent from nxt they got it you got to put them over on people uh so i i don't know that i mean the reason it didn't work in wc with the wcw angle is i don't think that they chose the right people for the invasion angle and they didn't let it play out any of them uh it didn't play out as well as it you know, could have. Uh, it could have been like the biggest thing of all time, and, and it, you know, it fizzled really quick because of the the guys they decided to put in those places. You know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash being two of the biggest ones. The the way they wasted Diamond Dallas Page. Um, you know, Booker saying, T was. I would I wouldn't say wasted, but you know, Booker T was kind of relegated to almost a comedic role, minus his one title run and, and you know the King Booker. Uh, and then, and then no Sting, which would have been, been the big get, right? Like, if they could have gotten Sting, that would have yeah, been Yeah, because, a, correct me if fun. I'm wrong, Chris, uh, Ric Flair didn't enter WWE until after the Invasion Angle, neither did uh, Hollywood Hogan, right? They both came later on. Correct, yeah. Hogan came specifically to, what was it, WrestleMania 21 against The Rock, I believe? Yep. And Same that's when he had to run against... Uh, yeah, and I mean... So it was kind of there at the tail end, but the, the by then the invasion angle had kind of you know fizzled out. And then also the fact that they kind of threw ECW back in there. Um, they did what exactly what I'm worried that they'll do with an NXT angle like this is they'll uh, spread themselves too thin. I think it's a good way to get NXT people on the main show and get exposure to that brand. Um, but you also don't want to cannibalize your NXT roster and have them go up and lose to like Samoa Joe. And, uh, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, and all of these top-name guys, AJ Styles. Like, you don't want them constantly losing because then when they go back to NXT, it, uh, I think you get into a situation where oh. you're damaging the brands. You know, I thought of, um, though, what if, what if, all right, let's say storyline-wise, and we know that WWF doesn't 
look this far in advance or think this far ahead. Uh, at least Vince, I don't think, does. But what if NXT had sleeper cells? Uh, what if Finn Balor turns on them and Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe, like a lot of the talent that came from NXT, and joins the ranks? Um, maybe this is all to legitimize NXT as its own brand, in theory, if you will. Like, if they really want it to be, like, not just be the step-up show. Uh, like, uh, actually, Triple H has been saying that recently. Like, that's what his goal is. So, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, if they took certain aspects, it could be really cool, but most likely it would be bad. I don't think it's going to happen personally. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on with the whole Oscar thing. Um, it sounds interesting how she backed up and was smiling at, at Paige and all them. I don't think she's going to join them. I don't know what exactly that is. I don't know what, what, what they were doing with uh, Daniel Bryan. I'm sure we're going to find out how he was really hush-hush about the first showing of uh, Ruby Riot and those girls, but I don't necessarily know if this is a full invasion angle. What I suggested uh, to you and uh, to Thomas and Juwan when we were talking about it, I kind of want to bring up again. I think it would make more sense, um, unless they are doing this, like I just said, as a way to put NXT as the third show, you know, the third big show, and now we have three rosters, or whatever they're trying to do. Just make it, you know, even keel, or at least, like, so it's not just a stepping stone. Um, If they're not doing that, though, at the beginning of the Royal Rumble, instead of just having one guy randomly show up and then start a couple months later, like they did with Ty Dillinger, for example, and they started like a month after, um, the first three, you have like maybe some tournaments on NXT leading to the Royal Rumble, and you get maybe three or four winners from maybe, I don't know, they like to do four-way matches, so like four four-way matches. And then you figure out those four guys, obviously they're going to be the, the, the four most over gentlemen, and they start off the Royal Rumble, they're automatically the first four. And maybe you could, for the first year, you could have a guy go all the way to the end to show the strength of NXT or, you know, to see. Basically, it would be used as a way for Vince to be able to look at talent coming out and be able to judge how over they are with the crowd, give them a chance to shine at everything without actually having to take them and put them on the roster yet. Just, just to give an example. And also, maybe one year, you know, it would be crazy in a shakeup, I said, if they were to normally do this and this becomes the norm. Maybe they go for their, they want a, a chance at the NXT title, and they're kind of like a screw you to the other to WWE. I don't think they would do that, but I'm just kind of giving booking examples of what they could do potentially with it. Um, Chris, uh, what do you think? Uh, a full invasion, possibly with people like Finn Balor and Smojo turning on it, and really like trying to qualify NXT as its own brand, or do you think they should do something smaller, like I'm suggesting with the Royal Rumble of giving a couple guys a chance at the beginning to show themselves, but not having to commit to grabbing them to take them to Maine and potentially ruin them like Vince can do. Um, the, the idea of uh, having a, you know, a few of them in the Royal Rumble, they've done that in the past with the uh, Andre the Giant battle, uh, battle Royal, as well as the Royal Rumble with uh, just last year, uh, the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger. Um, they've done stuff like that in the past, and I like the idea of someone making it a long time in the match. Um, as far as someone winning the Royal Rumble from NXT, it's got to be someone that you really, really want to push. Like, for me, it makes sense with someone like Aleister Black, who they're grooming as a big star. Or Velveteen Dream. Or Velveteen Dream or someone like that winning because it's an instant push. You know, it's a good way to get them out of the gates. It'll be a big... The Royal Rumble is very much like the WrestleMania crowd where they're, you know, they, they're the kind of... The fans there are the people that watch NXT and really care about 
um, the NXT performers, and that's why, you know, Ty Dillinger gets a, such a huge pop, AJ Styles got such a huge pop, you know, the Hardy Boys at WrestleMania got such a huge pop, because they're the people that watch and consume a ton of wrestling. So from that standpoint, it's a good place. If you're going to do a push, um, you know, if they go a long way or if they end up winning the thing, I think if they win it, they have to go to the main roster. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's cool. It's a cool idea to have them go for the NXT title as like a screw you, but then it goes back to like an invasion angle again. Um, and it also puts yeah. WWE in a spot where they don't have a match for WrestleMania for that title because that's generally how that shakes out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But you could also do a push where the NXT guy, you know, finishes second or third and gets put in, like, Elimination Chamber or something. Like, there's some cool stuff that you can do even before WrestleMania if you're just trying to fill um, a big name from NXT out. Similar to what they did with, you know, and there's other ways to bring him up, too. Like, what they did with Kevin Owens, he's just got to come up and make an immediate impact. Um, And uh, I don't want them to rely on undefeated streaks too much. I, I think problem in NXT in general um, with how they build stars in a lot of ways, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I I go back and forth on complaining about it because for so long, win and loss, wins and losses didn't matter on Raw and SmackDown. It, kinda, it still kind of seems that way. Um, but also, you don't want three people with an undefeated streak, you know? Like, it, it, it devalues what you're trying to do. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you want them to lose, you know, 50-50 each week, but you definitely – you don't need three people with – you know, winning streaks, long winning streaks. But as far as an invasion angle, I, I don't really have a ton of interest in it. I think there's people that you could bring up from NXT and play it off as an invasion angle if you wanted to. I think the authors are paying, um, have pretty much done what the, they're going to do in NXT. They would be a good tag team to bring up. Uh, if you're going to do like a group, you know, Adam Cole's group would probably be a good group to bring in. If you're If they're going to stick with this faction, NXT faction thing that they seem to be going with, uh, those would be the two probably groups that I would bring up, but the only problem with that is it just completely cannibalizes NXT's tag division, like, altogether. Um, so that's kind of the problems that they're going to run into with this. Uh, I mean, you can bring up people like Cassius Ono, and um, you can have them work both brands, I guess. It's just a, it's a weird scenario. I wouldn't look into an invasion angle so much as they're just trying to really develop the female roster and they've been doing that for a while. And I think, you know, some, some of these ladies careers are, are, are uh, winding down. Mickey James and uh, Natalia, I think are going to be winding down um, soon and probably wanting to work, you know, part-time if, you know, instead of full-time and it makes sense to get that young talent up there. And uh, it seems like they have been one thing they have been able to do as far as turning out wrestlers, uh, they haven't been able to accomplish it as much as with the male wrestlers as they have the female wrestlers like Charlotte, Sasha, ba- uh, you know, Bailey, Becky, like all of these big name female stars. There's not like, you can't think of the, the guy superstars all came from, they were already big on the indie scenes. Everyone that they already have up from NXT, if you really think about it um, or yep. known beforehand. So it, they haven't had that same success. So I feel like, you know, they're really relying on the fact that female wrestling has done a lot for me in general. Um, and I think, you know, that's they're building these factions, but those factions aren't going to last forever. It, you know, it's a pivot point to put one of those stars over in each position. And then if they need to, they'll shift some of those females back to uh, NXT or over to different rosters or however they want to handle it. But basically, I think they're trying to make the rosters even between 
males and females, and this was a way to do it, make it interesting in both sides. And it could end up being a female invasion that leads up to, uh, you know, something bigger. Uh, there was talks of Ronda Rousey and the four horsewomen, um, and it, you, it could you be this, just, you know, you're making it. You're making it go in a direction of what I was about to ask you. Do you think that having these uh, three females on both rosters added, uh, do you think that uh, probably breathes more light into this whole entire female Royal Rumble actually happening? Honestly, I think that is a big reason um, to try to get some of those names recognized. And I also think it was a good way to put Paige back into the fold without having her lose to Asuka or lose to Nia or lose to Alexa if they were going to put her on raw, which is kind of where they would, where they're stuck because they're not going to take that. I don't think they're going to want to take the belt off Charlotte until WrestleMania. So she would be wrestling against Natalia and a few other females on SmackDown. And I think this idea kind of spun out of that as well as the thought of like, Hey, we're going to have a female Royal rumble. So let's get these people up on the main show and give them some, you know, actual TV time for the people that don't have the WWE network. And from that standpoint, I think it's a it's a it's a great thing for everyone involved. I mean, Ruby Riot uh, was pretty phenomenal in NXT. I think she has a kind of cool character, um, a neat little gimmick. I'm not huge on the Riot Squad as a name, but uh, I, I think it's cool. I mean, the wrestlers that they decided to bring up, the female athletes they decided to bring up, are all pretty good wrestlers, and and I think they're. You know, it gives them more to do. I mean, it gives, it definitely gives Nia more to do um, on Raw um, versus just squashing the same two, three people over and over and over again. Uh, it gives you a way to build her Let's back really, up. Maybe she can, she can go against Paige and her crew all by herself if she wanted to. That's something you could do with Nia. Um, and then all, you know, like on the other brand, like I said, it gives Charlotte a, it gives Charlotte a legitimate threat to her title uh, because she's going to be you know, 1v3. Like, no one's really going to have Charlotte's back. Now, what I hope they don't do is they go the route of, like, now these other females are breaking off and starting their own little groups. Um, because I like the idea of having, like, a shitbag heel group beat down one baby face and the other wrestlers, you know, not help them. Um, you know, Dusty Rhodes versus the Four Horsemen. It's part of the reason that made that so magical. And Dusty got Sting help versus NWO. Time, time, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's the allure of it, right? is when the good guy finally gets the win over the three scumbag heels or whatever. So uh, to answer the question about the invasion age angle, I hope they don't go that route just because I think it will cannibalize NXT's roster currently and inevitably hurt that show just because of how many huge big name superstars WWE is. Like I don't see them putting over right away, putting over NXT stars over like Randy Orton or Kevin Owens or AJ Styles or on the other brand, Samoa Joe and uh, Finn Balor and Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. Like those are their top stars. And those are the guys that they would have to beat for that angle to work. And it's not, you know, it's the same reason like Nexus didn't work after CM Punk wasn't the leader at Nexus. You've got to have a big star anchor that. Now, if, like, Jericho comes back and is a leader of some kind of weird revolution or you have, you know, a legitimate big star um, kind of take the reins, like you said, like almost like a sleeper cell, like a uh, Samoa Joe or something, I think that's the only way that would work just because you need yeah. you need some you need something for them to get a rub off of so that it makes sense that they're a legitimate threat to people like Roman Reigns. You know, otherwise, it's it's like, you know, the shield is already up there. So it's just going to be the NXT versus the Shield. 
and you know the shield's going no. over there. So I. No, I agree with you, and I I think the same thing. If they were to if they were to be able to pull it off the right way, in which and like I'm saying, basically like you got these guys that were already worried about you know Vince not doing a lot with that are from NXT. Uh, so in the storyline, all of them are actually there, but they they turn on them. So you have people like Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, all turning on Raw SmackDown. It's NXT basically building itself to be its own product. Then go for it. But I don't think that's it, and I don't really want to see a half-assed invasion, uh, especially since you just did it with SmackDown and Raw. So even though I like the concept of people, you know, theorizing this whole entire thing, I think they're looking too too much into it. Thought we'd still have a conversation about it. If anything, the Women's Royal Rumble, I think that's a better shot now that we have more females involved in the division. I think we're still going to see girls from NXT and the, uh, you know, the chicks that we haven't seen um, or ladies that we haven't seen since the the Mae Young Classic involved in it, especially if they're going to try to do 30. But uh, either way, uh, my personal best way to take a couple of the guys that are the biggest you know, implement them in the Royal Rumble at the beginning to give them a quote-unquote chance and show them off that way. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, it's, we're about to go into a subject that involves Vince and how he treats talent uh, related to NXT. Sometimes I think that people are a little bit on Vince because, you know, all right, if you think about it, out of all the big NXT talent, how many has he really fucked up? Um, you know, you might be screaming different names, but a lot of those guys have either probably been up for the heavyweight title at some point or won it. Uh, the only person that you, you could say not to is Bobby Roode, but he just came into the whole entire thing. And he's still been a main event player. He was on the Survivor Series team. So, you know, I know a lot of people have issues with Vince and how they he treats talent, and I do agree that sometimes, you know, I don't know why the fuck he turned Bobby Roode into a babyface. I still have no idea. He should be a heel. Why is he in a robe in the back? It was so cool to see him in a full suit. But anyways, there's been a lot of rumors going around that Finn Balor is apparently not over enough to Vince McMahon to go against Brock Lesnar like he was supposed to for a Rumble. If you remember and recall, people, in the past, Paul Heyman has been plugging Finn Balor for any feud that Brock was about to have, always going back to him, even with AJ Styles, going back to how Finn Balor is such a, might be one of the best in-ring performers, this and that. And the concept of us getting Brock Lesnar uh, versus the Demon was in the air, and it was supposed to happen on Royal Rumble. Well, Dave Metzler uh, reported, and and, uh, Brian Alvarez reported that basically Vince didn't see him being that over of a face to be able to go against Brock Lesnar. First of all, I don't know why people are freaking out about this, because I really would rather see Finn Balor in a storyline of Demon versus Demon with Kane or going against Samoa Joe and having some amazing match with Samoa Joe if you have nothing to do for him, than him having to go and lose to Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble, because that's what's going to happen. This is just to build up Brock Lesnar as a monster. That's why he beat AJ. That's why he's beaten pretty much every opponent. Braun Strowman, you know, in one F5. That's what would happen. So that's not really that bothersome to me. Now, after that, WWE, coincidentally, put a poll asking who should face Brock Lesnar for, or next for the title, and Finn won unanimous. Uh, he won the overall vote. I think it was 66%, Chris. Um, so, also, Finn Balor was kind of coming back with it and making jokes about it on his Twitter. Um, and now Brian Alvarez is kind of pissed off about Finn Balor because he's trying to, like, 
he was saying on the last Wrestling Observer that he's acting like Finn's acting like him and Dave made it up. Obviously, they didn't. They heard it from who they heard it from. So it's a lot of mess. Uh, but but getting back to it, Chris, do you think that there is truth behind Vince not seeing potential in Finn Balor to face someone like Brock Lesnar? And does it really matter when Brock's just going to beat him anyways if we even put Finn in that type of, uh, you know, situation? I think a lot of it is where is Finn going to be more over? Is he going to be more over if he makes it towards the end of the Royal Rumble, or is he going to be more over if he loses to Brock Lesnar? Um, and I think some things get taken out of context. I mean, then saying he's not over enough to face Brock Lesnar could mean that, you know, it's just not – he doesn't think it's going to be the main event match of the Royal Rumble. I mean, the Royal Rumble itself is such a big match. If you're really wanting to – I mean, the problem with Finn Balor not being as over in Vince's eyes is poor booking. Um, the fact that Finn Balor hasn't really won any legitimate matches against anyone except for, I guess, Bray Wyatt at this point, who I think stock has kind of plummeted um, with the storylines that they've given him in the past year. And AJ. Uh, and, and, you know, that one match he had with AJ, um, you know, outside of that, they haven't really done much to try to get Finn Balor over. Uh, so, that's kind of their own fault. I mean, Finn is still a really popular character. I mean, the demon itself is just a character that kind of has a mystique similar to Sting where it's always going to be over to a sense. And I think the internet fan vote is always probably going to go to, I mean, I don't know who else was on that poll. I didn't see the poll. Like who else did they have listed there? It was uh, Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, two other guys that he's already faced as well. But uh, obviously, yeah, that's the thing. It's also kind of set up Finn Balor to win because he's the only one on the poll. I don't, I don't think uh, Brock Lesnar's face. Yeah, and, and that's what I was. That's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, I think if you threw AJ Styles in that poll again, then you're going to get a different reaction um, because they had such a good damn match. And uh, people want to see something different. They don't necessarily want to see a monster versus monster match, a Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar match, or a. They, they put these, they, these polls never mean anything. And they, you know, WWE has been notorious about fixing results of polls anyway. So it doesn't, like the fact that it says 66% doesn't mean that it's actually 66%. It doesn't mean dick. If you remember back in the day when they used to do the, uh, what was that show called? Fucking, was it Livewire? They had a pay-per-view that was basically all fan-voted matches. And none of the shit was actually things fans voted <laughs> For if you recall, so, I forgot the name of it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you so more. In, um, in general, I'm just jaded about all of that. But I, I think I think Finn would be better suited if you're going to give him a big push. If you want him to be a big star, if you think he can be a top guy, just have him win the fucking Royal Rumble and put him at Mania against Lesnar, and then give him some meaningful wins in between now and then. Because right now they haven't done enough to build him up for him to look like a, a legitimate threat against Brock Lesnar. And from here to Royal Rumble, I don't think that's enough time. I think him winning the Royal Rumble would give him that kind of push. I think him having a feud with Kane in between there could give him that kind of push. Or him having a feud with Braun and actually winning would give him that kind of push. But he's also not Vince's prototypical guy that he's going to put in that spot. So he's got to he's got to do more than he has done uh, to prove his spot, you know, prove prove that he deserves to be there. And the other thing is, 
you know, last time Vince gave him that major push, he got injured right away. And I think that took a lot of wind out of the sails of um, Finn Balor in general. So it's just a, it's a weird situation, but I don't necessarily agree. If, I don't disagree if Vince thinks that he's not a big enough draw for that particular pay-per-view. That's one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. If he wants to throw John Cena there, John Cena is still a bigger draw than Finn Balor. Um, so, I agree. I you know I'm a huge you know I'm a huge Finn Balor fan. Um, honestly, if if you put my, if if we're talking about Mania and changing up what's supposed to be, which is apparently Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, I think the close that we're going to get and the best person to push is not Finn Balor. It's actually Braun Strowman. Get a three way going on, and if Roman still ends up winning by beating Brock Lesnar, it still makes Braun strong. Whatever you want to do, and then Braun beats Roman later on. I mean, there's many ways you can go about it, but. He's the person you should be putting all your chips in. He's over as shit with the audience. I love Finn Balor. He's got plenty of time to be to be able to get more titles. Have him go for the friggin' IC title. I mean, that's not beneath them. The IC title is a very prestigious, awesome title to have. And, you know, for someone that's, that's, that's already been the Universal Champion, it's a good in-the-meantime title as well. So I don't think Finn – I think Finn from his post on Twitter was basically like, I'm not worried about it. Like, and I don't think he should be. I think he's very over. His merch sales have to be ridiculous. He's over with the kids. He's over for marks like me for Sting, you know, for, for similar reasons of why we were talking about. And he's just a good wrestler. Uh, so maybe he needs more time. H- having him go against someone like Kane and having a demon versus demon, you know, or, or Samoa Joe again, or, you know, th- these type of things I think would be a hell of a lot of building him up as, a, as an actual, you know, viable threat than what – we've done this last year, which is basically had one great match against AJ Styles and a horrible fucking feud with Bray Wyatt. So I think he needs more building. I have no problem with seeing him go basically. And I don't think it's anything to worry about. People put a lot of shit on Vince. Like he's like, like he's got cotton ball in his ears. Like he's got his, he's got his finger on the pulse, believe it or not. Does he do everything the way that we think he should do it? Or even triple H? no, he does it the way that Vince thinks he should do it. Is he wrong a lot of times? Yes. But I don't think he's trying to bury every guy from NXT. Most of those guys get treated pretty fucking well when they come to the main roster. They're, 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 look at Tyler Black, a.k.a. Seth Rollins, okay? Kevin Owens. Uh, Samoa Joe has been, in, like I said, in the title picture. He's only been in it for, like, not even a year yet. So it's like, guys, just, just chill out. You know, let these guys develop themselves. They have to earn a little bit of credibility, and yeah, even though it sucks because Bobby Roode's been in the business for a long time, and you know, someone like AJ Styles, which I think Bobby would put over, obviously, over himself, was able to go straight to Maine, it's not always going to work like that. You know, AJ Styles is lighting yeah. the bottle. I think Vince knew his abilities, uh, you know, going into that, uh, and how big of a name he was overall. So, I say that we we got plenty of time. We shouldn't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to move on. Did you have any last comments? I mean, my follow-up would be that Vince put the title on Finn Balor as soon as he got to the main. Like, I think people yeah. forget about that, but it's not like it wasn't intentional. Finn Balor had bad luck. The roster shifted in a way that was kind of unexpected because of the draft. Finn Balor came into a very top-heavy raw when he probably should have actually been on SmackDown. Um. And here's a better concept, Chris. And I'll give it right back to you. The person that he beat was the first champion for NXT, being Seth Rollins. The person that ended up getting the title 
after Finn had to, you know, turn it down, was Kevin Owens. So, I don't get it. I mean, the overall frustration is that Brock Lesnar has the title and he's not on TV, but people still like Brock Lesnar and like watching Brock Lesnar, and he's still one of the most popular superstars on the fucking roster. So until that stops happening, until people are like, oh, I don't give a shit who Brock Lesnar faces, uh, I don't think that you're going to see the title drop off of him unless Vince deems worthy, um, which might just be, you know, the Shield having all of the titles uh, after Mania, which could be, you know, interesting for, like, not a Four Horsemen type deal, but it could be a thing where it's the Shield versus the world, and that might be where they're building to. And, and, and if they build to that, then, you know, there's so many different things that could happen. Kenny Omega could decide that he doesn't want to stay in New Japan. You could end up with a Bullet Club, club reunion or a club reunion of, of some sorts in WWE. I, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. I think that there's a lot of things that are up in the air. Yes, they have ideas of what they want to do at Mania. But right now, the Shield's still together, and you could end up with the shield having every title at WrestleMania. It's very possible. I mean, that would be a good way to book it. If you want uh, Roman Reigns to win the title over Brock, you have the shield get involved, turn them heel, and then you could have the entire roster versus the shield. I mean, there's plenty of things they can do. Um, I don't think they bury NXT ta- talent. I don't, I don't think that's the intention. I think they have a top heavy roster on raw. And uh, I think they went a route on SmackDown with Jinder Mahal that might not have necessarily worked out but they were going for something very specific with the Indian market, as everyone knows. And they still have big-name guys there, like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and uh, even Randy Orton is still hanging around. So uh, it, there's a lot of top-name guys. Like you're, Not everyone that comes up from NXT is immediately going to become champion. And, you know, in some ways they shouldn't necessarily, depending on you know how they do. I don't think Ben's promos have been uh, amazing. Uh, I think... His matches have been okay, but he hasn't had a match but outside of the match he had with AJ Styles that have really blown me away. And, and the match he had with AJ Styles wasn't even, like, you know, their best match against each other. Like, they could have had a much better yep. match, but we already we, – we know the storyline behind, you know, how all that went down. So I, I don't blame them for that. But, like, I give them Balor time. I think there's ways they could build him. If anything, they can fall back on the idea of the club. If they build Anderson and Gallows, bring in some other – People, they could build up a faction of some sort to go against the Shield, and I, I think that would probably be a bigger way to build Finn Balor um, if they wanted to go that route. And if they go that route, hell, it could be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble. We're talking down the line, and it could be the Shield walking out with the title, and then you get Finn winning the Royal Rumble, and then you get Shield versus Club, which to me would be the way I would book it, because I think that's a bigger draw than anything is those groups against each other in different senses, like a tag title match. And you get uh, on the top card, you get Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor and down the line, you know, Barack will have a rematch and then you have the title and the champions advantage on Finn Balor. You have a way to give Finn Balor a win over Brock if you want to, without him making Brock look weak. I think that's the way you would, you should. And that's the way I would book it personally. Um, but yeah, I, 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 by no means do I think any of the NXT stars have really been buried. Maybe with the exception of uh, 
Emelina, who was kind of released and, and thrown by the wayside. But other outside of that, I can't really think, like, look at any of the superstars that are on the main roster and go, I, wow, they just, I like, guess just I really could, fucked I, them up. I guess I could say maybe to an extent until about now, Sami Zayn, I think all of us are kind of like, God, what are they doing with them? But they seem to have found a place to put them, and I think that's about – I think that's a, the case with a lot of these guys. They need to find a place to put them within the storyline to get them involved – Test to see how they are with audiences. Yeah, it took them with Sammy a little while, and it took them having to turn him heel. Uh, but Ty Dillinger, I, I don't think, proved to go further than he's going. Um, I think, unfortunately, like, I don't think he's uh, the, the worst in ring performer, but I think that it was more about his 10 chant than anything else. So, yeah, and Emelina too, but, you know, it's it's whatever. It, it's We've been talking about this at length for a while. Let's let's move on with the news. But uh, I think Finn Balor's fine. And whoever faces Brock at Royal Rumble, I'm sure that it will lead to, no matter what, I really honestly think it will be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I'm hoping Braun Strowman can get in there and possibly win it. Probably not. But, you know, I I feel like he's the money right now as far as a star. And, I mean, Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold agree with me, so I don't think that I'm too off my loop. All right. <clears throat> Next one. And I know that you're not too big on him. I've only seen him in 205 Live and a couple matches that he had at Ring of Honor. But uh, hey, hey, I can't pronounce his name. Hato Atami, a.k.a. Kenta, um, who Kenta Kobashi is his name. I think he was trained by the great Kenta Kobayashi um, from Japan. He's big in, in American, um, or AWA, uh, over, not AWA, uh, all all pro, what the hell, All Japan Pro Wrestling? I can't remember the acronym for it. Uh, what's the other big one AJ, in, in Japan? AJ, AJPW. You had it, All Japan Pro Wrestling. All, so he was huge in that. Uh, obviously, that's kind of fizzled as much. He was also big in Pro Wrestling Noah. Um, I don't think he's really done that much with New Japan. I don't know if there's anything bad going on. But he's coming to 205 Live. And honestly from seeing how maybe I don't have as much of an appreciation because I haven't seen enough of his work to be able to get a good read on it. But, you know, from his peers, they consider him a top person. He's gone against Daniel Bryan. He's gone against a lot of the guys in Ring of Honor uh, before in the past. If I was – especially how big of a name he is in Japan, if I was a Tommy I, and now he's going to 205 Live, it seems like he's just getting dumped there. They have nothing to do with them. And I don't even think that he can make anything big on the main roster. I mean, they could put the Cruiserweight title on him, but Chris, don't you think that he could go over to New Japan and make a shit ton more money and just be like probably put pretty high up there and go against Kushida and stuff like that because of his name recognition in Japan? Possibly. I mean, he definitely could be in the I, you know, in in the uh, the, the junior the juniors. I, I think he could make a mark there if he wanted to. But I mean. You know, the thing about New Japan is their roster is kind of stacked right now. Like, when you look at that tanker sure. top to bottom, uh, I, I, don't, I won't necessarily say that he would get lost in the shuffle because he does have some name recognition, but uh, there's a lot of damn good people <laughs> in New Japan right now. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, 205 Live is probably my, – my whole thing about him is – they never built – to me, they never built a gimmick with him in NXT. Um, we didn't really know what he was about. 
He doesn't have the charisma of an Asuka or a Nakabora. Um, he's a good in-ring worker, but I like, you know, looking at his matches, it wasn't like, I nothing pops out as like a five-star match in NXT. So you would have to go back to All Japan Pro Wrestling um, and look for some of the stuff there. I don't know if it's just he couldn't find the right person to work with or, you know, I, all that stuff's up in the air. I just never found him that interesting, of a, either a character or an in-ring worker. Um, he, you know, his finisher, a lot of people pop for, but I think they pop for it because it's go to sleep, which they just associate with CM Punk. Um which is not necessarily fair to him because I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, he w- he may have been using that move first. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think yeah. that's how that worked out. But in general, just as far as my knowledge of him, I, I'm not a big All Japan Pro Wrestling fan. Um, I just never really dug deep into their stuff outside of, you know, the 80s um, and early 90s of New Japan, you know, where Terry Gordy was over there uh, running roughshod in 1990s. Um, and, and Jumbo, those guys, like late, like late 80s was kind of all Japan's mark to me. Um, so I just don't know enough about him. I know that watching him in NXT, he never really did too much for me. Kind of seemed like he could be someone that was maybe a mid-carder. Um, so throwing him in 205 Live is not a bad idea, but they just have so many people in 205 Live they don't do anything with anyways. Uh, it's very much geared towards the Enzo Amore show and then kind of everybody else right now. Uh, and hopefully when Neville comes back, maybe that'll, that'll shift a bit. But uh, oh, honestly, that's actually a cool, a cool. If if they try to put him as a baby face, which I'm assuming they put him against Enzo and give him the title, and then Neville comes back, and you have a Tommy versus Neville for the cruiserweight with Neville going back as his heel, that would actually be a pretty good storyline I could see. But that thing is like I just don't think they do enough with the 205 wrestlers. And as hard as as they fight to really build that. It's gotten good, but I'm just curious of why he would do that. I mean, obviously he's on a contract, but it's like I feel like his contract's done. He's like, screw this. I can make more on the independent scene going to Ring of Honor, trying to do Pro Wrestling Noah, try to see if New Japan would like to see what I can do. Maybe I can fill the spot of that heavy hitter that uh, Shibata, you know, left, if you will, because of his absence. You know, there's a lot of stuff that Kenta could do, like I said, because of his name. Even though me and you don't have, like, a lot of uh, knowledge on his wrestling, he's big in a lot of places. So it's, it just seems crazy that I feel like this is kind of like the fuck you to him. Like, hey, sorry, we don't, we have no idea what to do with you. I mean, he was he was very big. And, I mean, for me, at least for me, the most of the stuff that I saw of his was Ring of Honor. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know that he would do – I think he would. End, I don't know if he would make the same money as he's making in WWE, but to me, him coming back to Ring of Honor would be uh, really cool. I mean, I know he had some good matches against uh, Davey Richards and another good match against Nigel McGuinness, if I recall right. Uh, but you know, it's it, it's one of those things where like I just don't have enough about his background to care about him as much as I should, and I know most of his stuff from Ring of <laughs> Honor um, from 2005. Well. I think it was like, I don't know, he had several runs there, but I would say in between 2005-2010 was like where he was going over to Ring of Honor quite a bit and wrestling over there. But uh, that's where you get the matches against Brian Danielson and um, Samoa Joe and that stuff. But 
like as far as like his run in NXT, I wasn't super impressed by him at all. Uh, he's 36. Me neither. If, if he wanted to pop back to Japan and, and try to go into the tournament, you know, the junior the junior tournament, that would make sense. But I I don't know. I mean, he be, he could be making really good money. I, I it, there's worse things than being on 205 Live. I just I don't know how all that shakes out. Good you know, that, that's a weird co- contract thing for him. I mean, if he's not he's not going to make any more money um, and he thinks his career is winding down anyways, and it wouldn't make any sense for him to leave. But, it, it, you know, if he thinks he's going to be a bigger star uh, in Japan, then, you know, he, he, when his contract's up, he very might, he very much likely may go, go somewhere else. I, I don't know, but 205 Live, you know, they're putting out videos, they're, they're pumping him up. So maybe they're going to do something with him. Um, and, you know, he may surprise us. He may be like, ne- like, I wasn't super huge on Neville. Like, I really appreciated what he could do in the ring, but him against uh, the main roster, it just kind of, like, they didn't know what to do with him, and then they put him on 205 Live, and he really developed, like, the, you know, the King of the Heel character, which I really liked. I liked what he was doing on 205 Live, and then I thought he could have took that and, and went back to main roster and went for, like, the IC title and stuff like that. Um, so maybe Hideo Tommy will surprise us and do something like that. But just, you know, he had a bunch of injuries in NXT, um, that hindered him a lot. I think him and Kevin Owens were going to have a storyline against each other, and uh, it just never really played out. And maybe things would have been different, but just everything I've seen of him in NXT, it could be just the way they used him, or they didn't have anything for him to do. I just I wasn't ever super super high on him, and and that's not saying he's a bad wrestler. It's just for me personally, I wasn't ever a super huge fan of him. No, I mean, I think that's just lack of knowledge. You know, I have the same issues with certain wrestlers that people tell me they're great, but I haven't checked out enough of them myself to be able to get a good evaluation to say if he's great or not. I know based on what other people said that are in the wrestling industry that I'll take their word for it, obviously. If, if someone like Brian Danielson says, you know, he was, he's one of my favorite guys in the ring. I'm not saying he said that, but I'm just saying if he, if he were to have said, he's one of my favorite guys I've worked with, I'm going to think he's probably got some skill. I just haven't seen it. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I just I, – I hope I, – I like the idea of him and Neville possibly squaring off. I think that would be a lot of fun. Him and Akira Tozawa, obviously by design, if you want to have him be the heel. Uh, there's a lot of cool things that we could see with it. And if not, maybe he does jet, and we can see him in Ring of Honor within a, a year or back in uh, Japan with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah or maybe trying something over at New Japan. We'll have to wait and see. I can bet you yeah, one and thing, I, though, I, Chris – uh, he's not going to be at impact, I don't think. Anyway. Yeah, and I would I'll, – I'll go off and say, you know, Brian Danielson saying that, he wrestled him in 2005. So, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that was at Ring of Honor Final Battle um, or Best in the World, one of those two events. And, yeah, I mean, it was a big Ring of Honor event, but this is 2005, and it's 2017 now. So That's a good point. Knowing his in, like what he's done, like even in NXT, how many injuries he suffered, he he might not even be the same wrestler. Uh, doesn't mean that he's bad in the ring. Well, I thought he had a good match, Bobby Roode. Uh, you know, it was it wasn't like it it wasn't fucking mind blowing or anything. It was it was a decent match. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying because we keep on going in circles is just that I'm gonna take. I might not know from personal, you know, because I haven't seen them. But if a wrestler says that he's a good worker. I'm going to take their word for it to some extent because of the fact that they're a wrestler that I respect because I have seen a lot of their work. So I wasn't even saying that that, that Daniel Bryan actually said that. I was just giving that as an example. Uh, 
because I know a lot of people in the industry are, are up on him. Uh, like Nigel McGuinness, that's a good, another good example. I've never seen anything from Nigel McGuinness. I'll take people's word that he's a good wrestler. I just haven't, you know, witnessed any of his wrestling. So, or or uh, Corey Graves for that matter either. I've seen a couple matches with him in it from early NXT, but I've never really got a chance to see anything that much from him to be able to make an evaluation on him as a wrestler. But regardless, here's a wrestler we should talk about, Chris uh, Batista. In an interview, and it was actually a pretty damn good interview with uh, Chris Jericho. Batista said he's interested in WWE return, but not as a part-timer. He just, he straight up said, and I really respect this, I'm not the biggest Batista fan. I'm not like a Batista Mark at all. Um, I think that he had a great look for him. Uh, I don't think, well, the fact that one of his favorite wrestlers, Ultimate Warrior, I think says a lot. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he was that limited in the ring. Um but, I mean, he's never been a he's, – he's been more flashy than anything. Um, him and Brock came from the same – you know, it, it was him, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, um, Shelton Benjamin, and Randy Orton. And I think shortly after that, Bobby Lashley were all part of the same class for uh, OVW. And uh, Brock is really good, especially when he was younger at least, around the ring. Batista was more about a strong guy. But I, I respect the fact that he's saying that he's not going to return to WWE unless he has a unless he has enough time to be able to go on the road with them, do the house shows. He misses doing house shows, and if it were to be like one last run, he wants to end it with him and Triple H in some type of storyline. Now, one thing I do have to say about Batista, I think that he's great as a heel. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that now because of uh, Drax and his popularity with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But when he went against uh, Rey Mysterio, it kind of, in a way, he reminded me a little bit of Don Morocco with Morocco versus uh, Snuka, of like the small high flyer versus this brooding, you know, kind of dirtbag, if you will. But I, I really don't care, honestly. I, this, is, this is just news. Uh, Batista comes back great. If he doesn't, he doesn't ever have to. He's never been one of my favorites. I just have respect for him because he always seems like a really nice, well-rounded individual. And I love that he plays Jurassic Destroyer on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But going back to uh, how do you feel about it, Chris? Uh, it, do you have, even if you might not like Batista that much, and I have no idea of how you feel about Batista one way or another, do you have respect to the fact that he's saying that if he wants to go back, he's going to have enough time to be able to be a full-time wrestler on the road? I definitely appreciate it. I think about it in the same way as, um, you know, Chris Jericho. When Chris Jericho comes back, he has a run, a full run. He does everything. He doesn't just come back and do like a paper and you would leave the majority of the times. He'll have a six month run and then go do whatever he needs to do. Um, so from that standpoint, I appreciate it. I, I like Dave Batista as a heel. I thought he was a good heel. Um, the only time he really worked as a face for me is coming out of evolution. Uh, the breakup of evolution with Triple H and, and Randy Orton and Ric Flair. I think that that made him into a star. Uh, that's not that's not a slight against him at all. I think that he just kind of always came off better, as far as wrestling goes, as a cocky heel. Um, in the same sense, he kind of has – the way he talks on the microphone reminds me a little bit of Roman Reigns, where it's just the way he talks and, and kind of his overall personality and the fact that he's such a big guy that he just kind of comes off heelish anyways. Um, it's the same reason people would want Roman Reigns to be a heel, you know? Uh, or, or John Cena. It's the same, It's just the same mental thing uh, in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you know, I think he, when he won the Royal Rumble, people were 
were pretty salty about that as far as wrestling fans go. And that was after the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I believe, or maybe right before. It may have been right before it was released. I, I think it was released. Uh, I would have to do some googling, but it was 2014. He won the 2014 Royal Rumble. Put it that way. So Drax was was out and about. People knew that he, you know, he was going to be Drax. And um, Guardians of the Galaxy since then has taken off even more. So I mean, he's wonderful as Drax. I like him as Drax. I liked him as a wrestler. I thought he was. Uh, kind of a surprise coming out of evolution and being as good as he was. Uh, he got a late start. My only worry about him do going full-time is Batista in general got a late start to his wrestling career. I think he is a kind of an older guy. Uh, he's 48. So, wow. To me, it would be one of those things where something with Triple H would make sense. You could bring it. You could even bring him back if you wanted to do full-time. Um, bring him back as a GM. Do something like that. Because they shift GMs in and out each year anyways, and I think Dave Batista could be a fun GM. And, and, he's got um, charisma for it. He's, he's got better acting chops than most of the people they throw in those talking roles anyways where they give them a script to read off of. So you could build to something with him in Triple H if that's what he wants to do. I think it'll be – I think it's good for uh, ratings. I think, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy fans, well, I mean, Dick, you know, obviously would – I'm not saying that they're all going to come watch wrestling, but they might check it out just because he's involved in it, you know. So Him full-time, I just don't know how much he would be able to do at his age. And he's in great shape, obviously, but uh, he had injury problems even when he was in the WWE. Uh, working, you know, even back in Evolution and stuff, he had some – injury uh, problems so I, I don't know how much he would be able to do I thought his last run was fine I mean part of what happened to Dave Batista was the fact that Daniel Bryan was red fucking hot yep um, so it's kind of unfortunate it was unfortunate for him because something that people had wanted for so long which was Batista coming back was overshadowed by the fact that Daniel Bryan as big as TM Punk was Daniel Bryan is probably the closest thing that we'll get um, for a while uh, to what Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock was. Like, the, the amount of just how fucking over that or guy Cena. was. Yeah, or Cena when Cena was at the top of his run. Um, and CM Punk to some extent. Um, I, I would, you know, CM Punk I definitely throw in there too, but Daniel Bryan was red fucking hot. They brought Dave Batista in, had him win the Royal Rumble without doing any of their matches, and fans immediately soured on it. So what my, my only thing with this is, if you bring him back in, bring him back in as a raw general manager and then move it into a – where he can be there week after week um, and then move it into a wrestling role like they did with Kurt. And I think fans would appreciate that more than them trying to shove, like, Batista down our well, throats. You know? the only, because the only people are still upset about if, that. If the will be him and Triple H, what, is Triple H just going to fight every uh, general manager at WrestleMania at the end of their run, you know? I mean, kind of, right? <laughs> kind of. I mean, that's that's the storyline they always play. WWE likes to repeat it. I, but you I have more to build off funny. with. <laughs> you, uh, you have more to build off, at least, with Batista because of their history. Yeah, you, know? you do. And, and the fact that, it, you know, Evolution broke up. Uh, the fact that Daniel Bryan embarrassed all of them uh, in that one night. So, I mean, there's... Yeah, it, it, I, I just feel I feel bad for Batista because of the Daniel Bryan thing and the the fact they tried like the, 
instead of giving you the guy you want, we're going to give you this guy instead that you used to really appreciate. And it just sucks. Cause that's to me, I think wrestling fans are always going to associate him with that Royal Rumble. That's not that fair because you know, that was bad booking or whatever. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I Batista being back would be great. Now, I do appreciate the fact that he said that. And I don't think he was trying to throw shade on on Cena or even Lesnar or anything like that. He was just saying, you know, no, I want to do the house shows. I want to do the whole entire thing. If I'm going to be, you know, in the ring and I'm going to have a WWE, you know, it's not going to just be appearance. Like, I want to wrestle full time. So, that's good. But, yeah, the age is something that you got to think about. I had no idea he was that close to 50. Uh, either way, uh, let's talk about someone else that's a little bit older that people are speculating might be out of here. Uh, so basically, I think it was within an interview, Chris, a couple months ago, AJ Styles was reflecting on, well, I have the title, and, you know, I want to make sure that I'm – he basically said that, like, when his kids are in high school, he wants to make sure that he's retired by then. So somehow this kind of came across, went through the news cycles – and on the dirt sheets, we were hearing that he was planning on retiring uh, by 43, 44. Um, you know, which, honestly, if that were the case, that would give him a perfect amount of time. And I tried to explain to someone who would be around the same age, I think, that Shawn Michaels retired and got out of the business uh, for his career. Well, I think he was like 45, maybe 46. I'm not 100% sure on that. But either way, with AJ, hey, he's already gotten the title in pretty much every major division. Um, you know, between TNA, who was a huge threat because of him, you know, not mainly, but he was one of the main reasons for that. New Japan, obviously, with the IWJP title, and obviously with WWE. So it's like he doesn't have a lot more to prove. We'd love to see him in a match with Kenny. But, I mean, AJ Styles, Dave Metzler has said that technically, based on the fact of, of um, experience, best person in the game, he said AJ Styles. Uh, and I kind of agree uh, based on that concept. For a guy that's been around the longest amount of time right now who's still amazing in the ring, overall, AJ Styles, I mean, his in-ring performance is, is, is amazing. Um, he might go down, you know, in a, in a – God, I was watching some young Sean uh, uh, tomorrow – or yesterday I was watching um, his, him and Mankind's match. Uh, is just so incredible. I was watching a bunch of Shawn Michaels, but either way, I'm rambling like Dave Metzler right now. Um, AJ Styles came to Twitter because one of his fans asked him in, in a uh, Ask Me Anything thing on Twitter if he was retiring, he heard about it, and he was feeling really bad, and AJ basically answered, like, uh, not going to happen or completely untrue or just very short. But do you think that that's AJ just playing – cool, and he probably is going to get out within the next couple of years. Um, and if that's the case, do you have a problem with that? Well, not a problem. Like, will you? It, will it suck to see him go? Uh, or is he being serious and he thinks AJ's got another, like, ten years in him? Uh, he's going to pull a Chris Jericho to some extent. I, I could definitely see AJ doing a um, a light schedule, a six-month schedule or a three-month schedule, and come back for something special, even after he hangs it up. He doesn't have to be there every night. People have proven that. Like, Chris Jericho has proven that. Brock Lesnar, to an extent, has proven that. Um, John Cena has proven that. Um, There's ways for AJ Styles to still wrestle and not retire and go as long as he wants to go. Uh, At the rate he's going and what he puts his body through, I don't know how he does it. He's a freaking machine, a maniac, basically. Um, It's incredible. Like, he's incredible to fucking watch. 
I don't, you know, I, I don't know that he's the kind of guy that wrestling's ever going to truly leave. I think he's going to stick around as long as his body will let him. I don't think he's going to go like Terry Funk, like till he's like seventy-eight or anything. I would say I forty-five. Got one more match, it's 101. <laughs> It'll still be a good match because it's fucking Terry Funk. But <laughs> anyways, um, it uh, AJ Styles is a guy that strikes me. As, He's going to be around until they don't want him around anymore. And uh, and there's a lot of stuff that he can do even afterwards. I think that, uh, you know, it's it says a lot knowing that he was a Ring of Honor champion, a New Japan champion, a, a TNA champion, and a WWE champion. Uh, he needs to I go fight Tim Storm be, for the NWA title. He may be the only, as far as I consider, like a – like grand, I would say Grand Slam champion of all four. Um, I don't know if like I, I I'm thinking that he may be one of the only ones in history that did that. I know Ric Flair held a bunch of championships in different territories and weird stuff like that. Like technically he has like 38 title victories or some weird shit like that. But like as far as like televised things that are put on TV and have pay per views, AJ Styles has kind of already done it all. AJ Styles cementing his legacy and having good matches. And AJ Styles has not had a bad pay-per-view match since he came to WWE. I don't expect him to. Um, even when he works with someone like Shane or Brock, he still gets a fucking great match out of it. The guy is insane. And if he left tomorrow, he doesn't owe anyone anything. Like, <laughs> there's so thing. much AJ Styles. There's so much AJ Styles you could watch. Like, I don't... I don't understand how you could even be upset. Like you can go, you can go back to the 2000s, you know, 2005 and watch the TNA, or you can go to Ring of Honor, or you can go watch his New Japan stuff against Okada. There's just such a catalog that that man has left. Um, that like, honestly, if he decided to retire tomorrow, I would just tell most people to shut the fuck up about it. Like, on it, he doesn't owe anyone anything, and he's a great wrestler, and I. Honestly, I, I think he loves wrestling, and I think he'll stick around as long as he absolutely can, similar to Chris Jericho. But I could see him working a lighter schedule uh, down the road, and I think he's fucking deserved it. So, you know, it is what it is. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, like I said, so what I think he should do, you know, do the whole Chris Jericho thing. So, you know, 10, 15 years from now, when Tim Storm is still the NWA champion uh, for, for Billy Corgan's um, organization, the, the NWA, remember people, AJ goes and fights a 65-year-old Tim Storm and beats him for the title and now has every major – well, no, he doesn't have WCW. Damn it, they fucked he, up. He, 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 the title. I'm pretty sure he's already held the NWA title as well. Um, but with the NWA really? title, it's weird. It's weird with the NWA like title because, yeah, and also NWA was also tied in with TNA at the beginning of TNA. And ECW, so, right? Yeah, so you get a lot of weird shit with NWA in general because that association dissolved and reappeared, and like what Billy Corgan actually owns is not actually the NWA. So that whole thing well, is a whole other topic you could have for a different day you, if you, you wanted you, to. For our generation, and you're right, he's held the four big ones out of the four biggest organizations for us watching wrestling now. Obviously, TNA has is a shell of itself, uh, used to be, but the fact that TNA, Ring of Honor, New Japan, WWE, like, give me a break. That That's ridiculous. How many guys have done that? Uh, 
it just it gives me chills thinking about AJ Styles in that way, like just how amazing of a performer and just a once in a lifetime wrestler he truly is. So my hats off to you, AJ. You do what you want to do. You do you, boo boo. All right, let's move on to an unfortunate news update. Drew McIntyre sustained or uh, sustained. Uh, he had an injury that happened at the last at the War Games uh, NXT show. Uh, very unfortunate. They, you know, him and um. Uh, what you call it, uh, Andretti Cien almost had a pretty damn good match, I think. And at the end of it, there was a DDT that Andretti did that he does off the ropes, off the top ropes. And for some reason, Drew grabbed onto the top rope and as they fell, didn't let go and, you know, held onto it and basically completely separated his bicep. Um, it, if you watch the video, it looks like Drew's mad about losing the title but he's actually mad about his bicep and he's talking to someone and his bicep's just hanging there. It looks disgusting. Uh, just like hanging off of it looks completely screwed up. Um, I guess luckily they were making it an angle within the match, within the story that he was working on that arm already. So if anything, he's going to be out apparently until I think he said April of next year. Uh, they could be, you know, build up something. So he comes back and goes after Alma and says, you took me out for this long, blah, 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 blah. Just a very unfortunate situation. I'm not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan. Um, I think his promos are funny because he reminds me of Russell Crowe screaming at uh, reporters. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to hear about anyone getting injured, and especially that injury looked pretty damn gruesome. But, um, Chris, how do you feel about this whole situation? I think it's very unfortunate for Drew McIntyre. While I'm not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan, as we've established on this show you know, multiple times. Um, his career has been riddled through with injuries in WWE. And to me, that's always like a red flag for Vince in a lot of ways. So I'm hoping when he comes back, they give him a shot, you know, one more run or one more, one more shot at it. But uh, it's, it's just very unfortunate for the guy. Cause I thought that was a pretty good match overall. Um, and him and almost have like a chemistry together. I, you know, for the most of that match, it was kind of, it was, it was very, very fun to watch. Like it was a very good match. I thought it was booked well. Uh, it's unfortunate he got hurt, man. Uh, I thought like, you know, fans seem to be getting behind him. And like I said, I, I don't see it, but he is a big guy. He's pretty good in the ring. I think he wrestles kind of a slow, boring style, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, Do you other than that, I, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of that is like the the Triple H style to me, without yeah. Triple H's personality, you know. Um, I find that kind of funny that you said that. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. And and people can be like, well, that's a little classic wrestling. And I'm like, oh, watch a dragon, like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat match, or even, you know, a grappler or someone that worked, you know, a dirty style like Terry Funk or Dory Funk. Like, to me, their matches are still, the the chemistry is just different than, what I think when I think of a Triple H match, and not all, you know, Triple H is or like a Triple Gagne. H in general. He can he can harness that style in a different way than a lot of other people can, and I kind of loop Drew McIntyre into a category where I'm not a huge fan of him. I don't think I ever will be, but that does suck for him. And I hope he gets well soon. And uh, I think when he comes back, he'll definitely get a push. If uh, my only thing is like, do they pull the trigger on Aleister Black before then? And then what do you do uh, from there? Like you're not going to have Mac. You're not going to have McIntyre beat Aleister Black, so I, I don't know. Well, uh, it's a weird scenario. 
spoiler to anyone, I, I, actually, I, I'll just ask you this. Um, involving that character, I don't think we have to worry about as much with Aleister Black. Uh, I found out about something that happened at one of the tapings recently. Uh, I, I know the audience, and I'm saying spoiler, they can stop listening, but do you want to hear what happened, or do, would you rather not know? Sure, let it rip. Aleister Black, uh, he, he lost. Uh, he got screwed over within the match. I think it was like he actually he ate a pin after getting distracted. I forgot who distracted him. Uh, from It was like a four-way to find out the number one contender, and I think Johnny Gargano, of all people, actually beat him, um, which I honestly think, you know, uh, is it, me, me and Chris have talked about this. I think that's, that, that's for the better, especially the way they set it up, that he gets screwed over and he gets a pin from the guy that's, you know, the baby face that always ends up fucking losing. Like, I don't think that's the worst way to get him out of this whole entire – basically, it just keeps on going back to it. Not everyone needs to have an undefeated streak. Uh, if this loss happens now, we don't have to worry about him losing. He can just build himself as a wrestler. Well, I mean, it's good to hear. I think that they could have pulled the trigger with it with on that with Velveteen Dream. I think it would have did more for Velveteen Dream. Um. Yeah, I, I think they they pulled it too late. Uh, that really, but you're you're right about that. You're definitely right about that. But the uh, it being a four way, they can still play off that he's undefeated in singles competition. So at least they're kind of. It's like they're doing it, but they're half ass doing it. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, didn't lose a yeah. singles match. But so what? How they're gonna sell it is he's undefeated in singles competition. You know that's what they're gonna say, Tweet. But. Uh, at least whoever oh. caused the distraction and whoever beat him can play off the fact that they, you know, they pinned the unbeatable, which is good for, oh, it's uh, it's good for Gargano. Undisputed error speeding <laughs> over in the match. That's what happens. Uh, and then Gargano gets a pin. That's, that's what happens. So Adam Cole, baby, is going to be having some fights with Mr. Aleister Black. I was also happy to find out, uh, you know, and he looks like it, that he put on uh, 10 pounds. He's now 215. He was 205. Uh, and I'm glad he's not 205 for obvious reasons now. So keep on building, Alistair Black. Uh, I'm definitely a big fan of yours, and I think that you and Velveteen Dream. Well, we'll get to that actually in a little while. But uh, speaking about half-assing stump something, Matt Hardy finally began his quote-unquote woken journey from WWE Raw. So apparently Impact realizes that they have nothing, so they're allowing uh, in some way – the rights to go back to Matt Hardy so he can use certain things. But Matt Hardy and WWE apparently have already said, screw it. Now that we have the IP back to be able to play with, we're going to do it our way. Um, But the way they started it, I think, was really half-assed. So on Raw, we had it where Matt Hardy lost to uh, Bray Wyatt, a a friggin' something I've been saying that I needed to do for a long time. Uh, Fans have wanted a broken Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. So if this is what they're going for, great. But he lost the match. You know, you had the um, announcers, the commentators, making comment about the fact of, like, oh, well, Matt Hardy's not been the same without Jeff. He's been losing it, going to stuff that he said on Twitter that was something us fans saw, but maybe not, the, you know, the general public that watches uh, wrestling, um, and just making all these accusations that he's, he's starting to break and stuff like that. And at the end of it, he loses, and he starts doing delete, delete comments and freaking out. And apparently that's the transition, and they're finally going to start pushing him to be broken. I don't know if he's going against Bray Wyatt, um, if they're going to have him, like, off the loop 
challenge Bray, beat him, and then they do a rubber match at Royal Rumble or something like that, or if that was just the start of it, I would hope it would be against Bray Wyatt because I think the person to get that character out of him, I think they would blend and work off each other really well, especially promo-wise. But I'm going to say something. Um, I've watched Final the Deletion. I've, I've watched a lot of that stuff. I don't think it's going to be the same if they don't have Senior Benjamin, if they don't have uh, Reba Hardy, if they don't have, like, you know, if, if, if they don't do any of the stuff at his house um, with the drones. Like, there's a lot of stuff that if they leave that out, I think it's not going to be the same. And I thought that it was very half-assed how they tried to introduce it. Chris, how do you feel? Are you excited about seeing a potential uh, Woken Matt Hardy? Or are you kind of worried uh, based on what they did like me? To me, it, it took too long. And when he started chanting delete, it was not the same effect as when he showed up at WrestleMania, which is worrisome. True. Um, we're, we're looking at something that was almost a year ago. Like, he had, they had lightning in a bottle a year ago. Like, going into Ring of Honor against the Young Bucks right before uh, the tag title match at WrestleMania, when I predicted they would be there, um, I, I knew that they were going to be massive, and they couldn't get that character out uh, fast enough because of the TNA thing. Now, that doesn't mean that Matt can't turn it around. And I, the one thing I will say for Matt Hardy is, as far as I know, Rebby Hardy, Senior Benjamin, those guys never actually got paid by TNA. I think Rebby might have because she technically may have been on the roster, but I know Senior Benjamin never actually got paid by them. And that was just Matt taking care of that. Um, so I think there's a lot of stuff WWE can do with that and still make it cool. What I want them to do is not make it look like a WWE production. Don't overdo it. Like, don't over... It's got to look shitty like TNA does. <laughs> like, like, cut the production budget in half for what you did with the New Day Bray Wyatt uh, angle when they basically tried to do their own final deletion. It's got to be cheesy. I mean, that's part of what makes it. And, I mean, Matt definitely is a big... A uh, big, big part of it. He needs complete creative control over that character. Uh, it's the same things that I thought about when they first brought him in. Is like if they really let Matt Hardy run with this, it, it'll be great. It'll it, he can elevate it to a level that will be completely insane, and you can build up to him and Jeff battling each other once again. You can recapture the magic that was, you know, the final deletion, um, and you can do it in a WWE ring if you do it right. And you could even do a table, ladders, and chairs match if you want to have them do some dumb shit for no reason. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff they could do with it. I don't want him to go against Bray right away. I really, really don't. I, I think that people have soured on Bray in a way that affects everyone that he goes against. I think it affected Finn Balor negatively, and I think that it could do the same thing against Matt Hardy. I do think that it, it makes sense to put him against Bray Wyatt, but you haven't built Bray Wyatt up enough for it to matter. That's a good point. I think I think him going against someone like Samoa Joe, um, or Finn Balor, or uh, even The Miz going after The Miz Taraj, which he's recently feuded with as the Broken Matt Hardy, um, with Miz's promos and then Broken Matt Hardy's nonsensical promos. I think would be more interesting than just going straight to Bray. I think you can go to Bray. I think you can get there. I think you can go Matt Hardy and Kane. I think there's a lot of other stuff. They just need to get off of every mis- 
mystical character we have because I think that's I think that's a shitty way to book it, and I think that's what all the fans expect right off the bat. And I think you want to make them wait for that. Like, you want to make them want that down the line. And the reason they want it is because Bray Wyatt has became Bray Wyatt again, right? Like the Bray Wyatt that people really, really liked two or three years ago. That's, that's where you need to get him back to. And if that means, like, after the draft and you get the Bludgeon Brothers and Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family rolling again or you get some form of the Wyatt family rolling, I think it'll mean more. Um, but I, just because they're both weird characters doesn't mean you have to slam them together. I mean, Goldust and Undertaker were both weird characters, but, like, you know, Goldust's most memorable feud to me is against Rowdy Piper. You don't have to throw weird versus weird. I mean, Roddy Piper's weird, but just for different reasons. <laughs> well, uh, no, I mean, more, cra- I, I more crazy that. than weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right about that. I watched that, that match recently. The way they shot that and the fact that Dustin was saying that they did that pretty much in, like, one take for most of that stuff. Like, Piper's insane. He's Misha Hot Rod, but, yeah, he's definitely – you know, when it comes to what you're saying, you don't always have to put Mystic against Mystic. It's cool. It's cool seeing two monsters go at it, but, you know, everyone, I remember, wanted to see Sting versus Undertaker, and I never really cared for that concept. I got the reason why people went for it, um, and I would have loved to have seen it, like, later on, like them do that, you know, like a couple years ago. Uh, but I always want Shawn Michaels and Sting because they were my two favorites and they were two – you know, at least to me, I think they would have had a good match together. But not saying that him and – you know what I'm saying. Basically, you don't always have to take the mystical and put him against the other mystical character. And this one's a little bit different because Matt Hardy's just all over the place. But I hope that they try it, um, and I hope I'll, I hope a lot for Matt. You know what else I hope for? Uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. So I don't know if you heard about this, but Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are planning a huge self-funded wrestling show for Ring of Honor. Uh, this was because Dave Metzler – was asked a question uh, when he was doing a, you know, an ask all basically. Would could Ring of Honor host a show of ten thousand wrestling fans? And he said no. Uh, the last I, I guess major uh, wrestling promotion was WCW that was able to do that. So now Cody and the Young Bucks are really actually scouting, trying to find a location, and um, you know, get a date and get a big enough card. Uh, suggesting maybe that possible match with Cody Rhodes against Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, if once Bryan is done with his WWE contract. So it's going to be around that time period anyways of uh, what they're trying to go for. Um, there's been – Young Bucks have, have told many outlets that they've been talking a lot with CM Punk, and they've been trying to convince him to come back. You know, this is also something that could host a Jericho versus Omega too. Uh, you know, that type of thing. What I'm about to ask you, Chris, is do you think it's possible? I honestly don't. Even if they get all these type of angles going on, it's going to be a lot. Do you think it's possible for them to get 10,000 people in an arena to watch a Ring of Honor show? If, did you get enough for, is it a Ring of Honor show or is it a Cody Rhodes show? Uh, they're saying a Ring of Honor. Um. I would be very interested to see if Bullet Club did a crowdfunding, what they could do with an arena, like how many asses they could get in seats. Um, if they had a really great card. Now, this is like kind of out on a limb because no one has ever done it before. But if you built an amazing wrestling card 
you have Omega versus Jericho, or you even get like New Japan to buy into it, and you get like Omega versus you know uh, NATO or something. If you get enough big stars, you get John Morrison on that card. Uh, you get the Young Bucks. You get uh, you know Motor City Machine Guns, or you know uh, something like that, where you could build like a really hell of a card. I think you can get ten thousand people. I think you have to do it in the right well, spot. I think you need. Just I think you need to do it somewhere like New York. That's that's also New York would be a, a pretty good place to do. It. But keep this in perspective. Metzler noted that ECW never came close at around six thousand, and TNA topped out at around seven thousand. So, like 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 you know, he's saying this has not happened since WCW outside WWF. Um, that's just a lot of fucking people, dude. Uh, to try to get in an arena, but I do agree. If you have names like Kenny Omega, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, you know, a lot of those guys, get your Zack Sabre Juniors, every big person that you can think of within the PWG Evolve family and shit like that, all involved in it, it could do it. It's just, that's one hell of a leap. But if any guys that could have confidence in this, you would think would be the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. And that's why I said the crowdfunding thing. Like, I could see them doing this as a one-off. And if it's a one-off, and you're never, you may never get to see it again, and you're telling me Daniel Bryan is wrestling Kenny Omega or something fucking crazy like that, people will throw down some money for that. The whole thing is the original setup on how much it's going to cost to book a 10,000-seat arena. It's the same thing that uh, New Japan ran into when they sold out three dates. Technically, if you combine the attendance of New Japan in America for those three days... They did over ten thousand. I don't, and, and it sold out immediately. It's it's possible to do. You just have to make it intriguing enough for people to want to come. If you can get someone like uh, coming out of contract like Dolph Ziggler, if you can get some bigger names, and you don't rely on um, legends being a part of it, I think you can make it happen. I think there's enough, you know, John Morrison fans, Kenny Omega fans, Daniel Bryan fans, CM Punk fans that would Jay pay the money to go Jay Lethal, like. The list goes on and on. There's enough of their fans that are just their fans that would come and see that shit. Like, I, every yeah, time I walk yeah. around the mall, I see five Bullet Club shirts. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's bigger. Yeah. I think that the mindset is that you can't do it. And the mindset is you can act. The mindset should be you can do it. And you don't necessarily have to fund it yourself. With the way that the world works now, just throw that shit on the Internet and see how much money you raise. Because, I mean, the, the the whole thing is the production of it, right? So Absolutely, if yeah. you can raise the money for the production and the booking, then you can make money off, off the back end, off the seats and the tape, the DVD sales and the live stream sales. you got to be willing to lose money the first time you do it is the whole thing. And I think if you get enough wrestling fans to buy in, you make a GoFundMe or, a, a, you know, some sort of crowd support where they're getting a ticket as they support you, or something of that nature, where if you support a certain amount, you're guaranteed a ticket. You can book out an arena. I, I have no doubt that it's possible. It's just, it's the thing of like, you got to take that leap. You got to. Yeah, gotta I mean, if anything. <laughs> if anything, I mean, it's very, very Vince McMahon-esque. I mean, think about how he did WrestleMania and how many risks and how much money he put up for that. And then the next one to fill up three arenas, like 
if 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 you're gonna do it, you gotta have that mindset. And these guys definitely have that mindset. I hope we get Stephen Amell in a match against um uh God, I I completely well, uh, John Bernthal. Yeah. We're we're gonna have the Punisher <laughs> versus Green Arrow. That's gonna be one of the main events. I'll fucking watch it. I don't give a shit. All right. So that's been our news. Guys, if you would like to comment on anything that me and Chris have talked about, give us a call, 929-477-3781. If you're on our Facebook page, comment on the, uh, on the post uh, that you're listening off of. Uh, tell us what you think. Ask us some questions. We like that type of stuff. So we have two small topics. Oh, not really small topics. We're, we're going to talk about them, and then uh, we'll go over a little bit of Raw and SmackDown. We've gone over a lot of the main stuff, so... I never get really worried about trying to go around SmackDown as much as, like, talking about fucking wrestling and the news within it. But uh, my first question to you, Christopher, this topic, I kind of came up with it uh, off the top of my ass. Uh, two wrestlers from NXT and two wrestlers from 205 Live that you think uh, – let's not count Neville in there uh, because I think that's a, that's a very go-to concept, and I think we both know that he's ready for the main, but I'll probably go back to 205 Live. But – Two from NXT, two from 205 that you think are ready for the main roster of either Raw or SmackDown. From 205 Live, wow. Um, Honestly, I think Adam Cole and his crew are ready for main. Um, They're probably going to wait until they get a title run, but I think he can put them there now. I think they're big enough that it would work. Uh, From 205 Live, probably Hideo Itama and... God, man, so hard. Cedric Alexander, if they booked him right. I think Cedric Alexander is kind of something special that has been lost on on 205 Live. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, Cedric Alexander uh, for 205 Live. And I honestly think that if they – I think that Drew Gulak has enough personality that he could be actually a pretty decent heel – um, you know, he doesn't have to go right for the title or anything like that. Uh, he could be booked a very similar way to Aiden English, maybe a little more put into him. But, like, you know, start off as a pretty good mid-carder. And he he's already disliked by by many. So you might as well keep on going with that. I think that he has a lot of potential with his mic skills. Um, Cedric Alexander, I think that he's phenomenal in the ring. Um, <laughs> coincidentally, his favorite wrestler uh, was AJ Styles. <laughs> We're so old, Chris. They were watching wrestlers have influences like AJ Styles. That's how messed up that is. Oh, God. Um, but uh, from NXT, I think it's kind of obvious. I like what you said about just say, screw it, bring Adam Cole and bring him to Maine. But I think based on their last match, I think Aleister Black, to me, and uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the Velveteen Dream, I think that they're just they're, – they're, their gimmicks are so built for Vince. Uh, they might be a little bit early 90s, if you will. Uh, new edition or whatever the fuck that generation is called, um, but I I think that they're the most suitable all around, well rounded with Mike, you know, wrestling skills, just having a good gimmick itself, uh, being different but also being something that you know you kind of remember. Uh, so that was my opinion. This this topic went a hell of a lot quicker than I thought it would. But uh, well, yeah. I have one. Uh, do you- I have. I have one comment, a follow-up comment. I would have picked Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, but I think that those two need to battle on NXT, and they both need the title before they move up is the only reason. I think Adam Cole, because he's in a faction, it would work out a little better for him. 
I would like to see Adam Cole, uh, the Undisputed Era, battle out on with the uh, the Mizdorage. That would be interesting. Uh, who knows? We'll have to see within the next, like, year or two. Watch um, the Undisputed Era not, not come up to Maine for, like, two more years. They're just going to be chilling there, not winning any titles. Adam Cole's going to stop saying baby after a while. He's going to be like, fuck! I love <laughs> All right. Our next topic, then we'll kind of go into it. So I have this crazy idea of why not challenge my brain like I did last year and try to figure out through conversation, and this will be a good participation type of concept with all of you guys on Facebook. So what I wanted to do last year as a way to get myself more involved with learning about new wrestlers, wrestlers of this generation, I did a compare and contrast concept of certain wrestlers and got opinions from Chris actually being one of them, my buddy Greg, a lot of guys that are over on Facebook, you know, of wrestlers that they kind of saw comparison with. And then I started studying them, which led me into other wrestlers, and I compiled a list of 100. Now, I looked at it, and it's awful now, uh, looking back on it. Now I know a lot more about these guys in detail. So since I love these generations of wrestlers, and to me, probably a generation's every 10 years. I mean, if you look at it that way, you get the 90s, their era, 80s. But to me, the guys in the, that, that, those wrestling eras, they kind of blend together in a way, Chris. So it seems like the, the, the 80s and 90s guys, for the most part, are within the same era. You know, they, they all wrestled together. You know, some of the guys that bled over from the 70s, like your Dusty Rhodes and, and your Ric Flairs, they had their biggest time anyways in the 80s um, and going into the 90s with Ric Flair and a lot of the other guys like from that time period. So 80s and 90s, and then we compare them to these last two generations of the 2000s and 2010s, um, which obviously we're not done with this decade, but we can see the talent that's come out through that. And, you know, me and you will come up with a list of 100 of the 80s and 90s, the biggest wrestlers from that, that time period. We'll go over it a little bit. I think I have a list already compiled of, like, all the main wrestlers so we can, you know, add on people, uh, come up with some qualifications, and then do a compare to wrestlers of now who kind of remind us. And, you know, I, I even suggested to you if we wanted to, like, take it a next step further, we can even think of, like, a guy that might not be exactly like them but be a good person to be in a feud with them based on who they are from now. Uh, maybe that will be something for later. Basically, I want to break this up by 25. So it will be four parts, and we go into this. Um, and you would have your list, Chris. I would have my list, and everyone can make their own list too. I'll, I'll give the list of the wrestlers that we qualify for it, and then we can talk about it. Um, there is something, though, a couple rules and, and, and uh, things I was thinking about that we should, uh, you know, go ahead and, and, and be a part of this concept. I don't think anyone that is lineage uh, should be involved with a main direct concept. So Curtis Axel for Kurt Henning, R Rick, Richie Steamboat for Ricky Steamboat. You can't do that. Um, we also have to figure out where certain wrestlers lie. You know, so if we're saying Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, they believe from the 70s, they come over to the 80s, we're going to include them in 80s and 90s. Well, guys like Chris Jericho, and Eddie Guerrero might have started it off in the 90s, but they're really known for the 2000s. Unfortunately, with Eddie, you know, he passed away. But they're more known for the last two decades, uh, more so than anything. So do we consider them we, – we'd have to figure that out. Do we consider them the past or the present when it comes to that? 
so just just uh, off of my general thoughts of how to build up this thing, and this is just a conversation piece, if anything. Um, do you have any questions, or do you have any ideas for this? Uh, no, but I would give an example if I was going to do this. Um, an example for me would be Raven and then Bray Wyatt. Um, not only gimmick, but the way they kind of work in the ring, I think, are, is kind of similar. I think Bray Wyatt took a lot of like a lot of different parts of Raven and kind of made it his own. And I think those would be uh, an example for me, uh, especially ECW Raven. As far yeah, as promos no, go. Um... I've, I've thought the same thing, actually. Uh, but Bray's always been with me, and I mean, they're very similar because I know that Raven has inspiration uh, for Jake the Snake Roberts. But I think that Bray's better compared with Raven. Um, I don't know who exactly for Jake. I guess Randy Orton, to a certain extent, uh, because they're both methodical wrestlers. and I don't know. Uh, but the, this type of conversation, what's great about this is that me and you will have similar answers, and then we'll have ones that are completely different. And that will create great conversation, I think, when we're going over to 25. So we're going to dedicate, I think, a little bit of time to this. I think it's fun to talk about, you know, if I get to talk to you, and when I, I should say, when me and Chris get a chance to talk to some wrestlers uh, soon, you know, stuff I'm going to be asking them about is, like, what, who inspired your gimmick, who inspired your style, and what wrestlers did you like watching when you were a kid? Which ones connected with you? Because I think that, that type of creative tissue, everyone compares every wrestler to everyone. I mean, that's just... That's just how it is, and there is a lot of certain things and flares that people like JR and Dave Metzler see in certain wrestlers from today that were from yesterday. Like, honestly, here's someone, you might completely uh, disagree with me on this, Chris. I think a good example of a modern-day Terry Funk uh, might not have had all the titles, but I think that Tommy Dreamer would be someone I would consider could be that type of, you know, someone that's been through it, been in wrestling for a long time, might not have had all the limelight, uh, you know, but is is someone that people respect shit out of, and including Terry Funk himself. So I think that you would have probably a different wrestler picked up for Terry because you're more of a Terry guy. But that might be someone I choose for that. Yeah, and for Terry, for me, would I mean it would either be Tommy Dreamer or Cactus Jack, um, just because they were so heavily influenced. But like one for me, a weird one would be like Ted DiBiase and Bobby Roode which is kind of out there, but if you really think about it, is it really out there? There's a lot of aspects, especially Bobby Roode and TNA, that are very Ted DiBiase. He's the rich Canadian. He's uh, trying to buy his way out of things. He wrestles kind of similarly in the ring, very uh, old school. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's an example, you know. But there's tons. I mean, there, we can we can go all day with this, but I think it's going to be really cool to break it down. I think maybe we should try to find a couple different lists of top 100 wrestlers of the two different time periods and uh, mesh them together to give people like a guideline of like what we're trying to do. And then from there we can, we can really get into it because I mean, there's like wrestlers uh, that are in my top 100 that may not be in other people's top 100. Like, uh, like Too Cold Scorpio for me in the 90s. I, I mean, if you're talking about 100 wrestlers deep, I think Too Cold Scorpio is someone that should be on that list. Um, who's a yeah. very unique guy. Who do, you, who do you compare him to? He's one of the, you know, one of the first really well-known high flyers um, and, and went on the, into ECW. He's a very unique character. Um, and right offhand, I don't, I don't know who I'd compare him to. I'd have to think about it. But I think it would be me cool too, to man. break that's, this out. That's a good one. Yeah, and, but the, the, the other thing, all right, so do we consider, 
Uh, I think Rick's unanimous. He's going to be a part of this no matter what. But like someone like a Dusty Rhodes or a Nick Bockwinkle or Harley Race or Kerry Von Erich, are they 80s? Kerry is Kerry's weird because he's 80s and then he was 90s, but he wasn't the same in the 90s as he was in the 80s because of uh, losing his leg, obviously. Um, I'm just saying, like, a lot of these guys are 70s. Late 70s, they got big, and they came over into the 80s. I would say, I mean, probably the best way to do it would be from 2000s up and then from like 90s back um, because I doubt anyone's going to be reaching back into like I mean because like you can make obvious stuff you could go like you know gorgeous George Ric Flair um, yeah I don't want to do that let's 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 have the uh, let's have the 50s 40s 60s like be or no 60s and 70s be its own time period and 80s and 90s I'm just saying like also like I just said like is Chris Jericho considered this generation or is he still Technically started, I think, in 80, no, not 80, uh, 91, but he's so known for this era of wrestling, if you will. Um, or Eddie Guerrero, who was very big in the 90s, but, I mean, obviously he he was the biggest and on top. When It's like if you're going to have Ric Flair, who started in the 70s for a while and then became so huge in the 80s, I guess Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero would have to be qualified as the more present uh, wrestlers, if you will. Uh, same thing with Tommy Dreamer. I, I mean, the way I would go with it is which which era did you like the best, right? And which era are you going to be able to make the best comparison off of? Because 1980s Ric Flair, while they're the same character, 1980s Ric Flair was also a big member of the Four Horsemen. And in the 90s in WCW, while the Four Horsemen came back and around and they did different iterations and stuff, Ric Flair kind of evolved and did different things. I mean, like his stuff with Sting, um, you know, I, like Ric Flair is a weird character. Like you can, you could even bring him all the way to the 2000s with Evolution if you really wanted to. I think the thing, thing, Absolutely. like the big thing is like, where's your highlight of their career? Like, what is their big shining moment for you as a wrestling fan? I'd say him. Who do you see that's like? Yeah, I mean, and and what's you know like for me, it's it's Steamboat and Flair, it's Sting and Flair. Yep. But like for someone else, it may be you know Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels. Um. So me, it's you know it's the personality, it's their in ring work, it's what they do, and it's you know their biggest time at the top. And to me, Ric Flair's biggest time at the top was definitely you know, eighties, um, in in the NWA and in WCCW and WCW, uh. And, you know, a lot of it's just feel, but I, I don't think we need to set hard rules around it because it takes a little bit of the fun out of it. It's going to be cool just to see. No, you're probably right. Different people. We'll, we'll figure out the hundred. I, I think that, honestly, at this point, uh, for, and I mean, it might be completely different for you, uh, just based on being a great in-ring wrestler, uh, keeping himself updated with the times uh, and being able to change himself, like I'm based off of Ric Flair and just being a huge champion and, and – I'm honestly, I think I'm going to put, and also Mike's skills, I think I'm going to put Chris Jericho as my modern concept to relate to Ric Flair as a whole career, if you will. Um, but I could see a lot of people using The Miz. I could see a lot of people using lots of different people. It's just, you know, if you're looking at all qualifications in my head, that makes the most sense. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get back to this. This is going to be a fun little project, and we'll have the top 100 
eventually. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess I can kind of fuck around with a list and then you know send it to you, and then you can kind of like give me your ideas, and we can just go from there. But once we have the list, then it'll be me and Chris separately, you know, coming up with our choices for the modern comparison, and then we will go over and reflect on four episodes, 25 from each. And so we've, you know, gone over the whole entire thing. But uh, any uh, last statements before we move on, good sir? No, I, I would just say we're going to have fun with it. And everyone out there, don't, like, you know, the lists are guidelines. And obviously try to make comparisons, as you will. But just keep in mind the whole thing's supposed to be fun. So if someone makes comparisons, exactly. like, or just gets – you you have your own comparison, so it's it's just fun to talk about. Don't take it too serious. It's just a fun thing we're trying to. Yeah, um, if, I'm looking if you're forward. You're mad to. at me, I'm right and you're wrong, so you can fuck off. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding, but yeah, it's all subjective, guys. I mean, that's the whole point of this. It's all to create conversation and just talk about wrestling in a very geeky way, basically, and also come up with future matches that I can play on uh, WWE 2K17. So there's or 18 or whatever the fuck one they're on now. But uh, it should be pretty damn fun. Um, I guess let's go on to some Raw and SmackDown, dude. Um, we, we got about 18 minutes, so we'll roll, roll through this pretty quickly. There's not a lot that happened. Um, I honestly didn't think that SmackDown or, or Raw were bad. Uh, I thought they were just fine. Uh, let's go into the first match. Raw results. Seth Rollins defeated Cesaro. Uh, Rollins won a lengthy match with Ripcord knee. After the match, Rollins confirmed that the Shield would stay together even as they pursued pursue individual titles and announced that he and uh, Dean Ambrose would challenge the bar for the Raw Tag Team Championships the next week. Like, we couldn't see that coming since Dean Ambrose just won against Cesaro the week prior. Um, Samoa Joe defeated Titus O'Neil. This is probably the most I've ever seen Titus in the ring. Pretty good showing of him. Joe won by submission with the Coquina Clutch. After the match, Joe also choked out Apollo Crews to try to step in his face. Chris, how did you feel about both of these matches? Well, the first match I have a problem with because I feel like Cesaro and Sheamus need to win. Um, they've taken a lot of L's recently, and I think uh, there should have been a way for Cesaro to get a win without making Seth Rollins look weak. I thought the match itself was fine, but the outcome of the match, I think, uh, it's almost like it's inevitable that the bar is going to lose the titles, uh, especially with the way that, and, and I also hate the fact that they just book singles matches leading up to tag matches that you know that's going to be a tag match. Like, just make tag matches with the other teams and do run-ins, or, or actually build the feud through the mic. Like, make Cesaro and uh, Sheamus not want any part of them, or do something different. The same thing every time Cesaro and Sheamus have the titles. They did the same thing with the Hardys, uh, where they had single matches back and forth throughout that entire rubber band. Um, so just like overall, just, I, I kind of wanted Cesaro to get a win here. I don't think it would have hurt the shield at all. Um, so it, it was just, to me, the storyline was just missed on me completely because the whole thing is like, if the shield all win titles, will they still be friends? And it's like, you're, you still have a tag team in Cesaro and Sheamus that you got to do something with after the shield breaks up. So like, don't completely bury them. Maybe to give them a couple wins or something here or there. Um, Samoa Joe beating Titus O'Neil. It was an okay match. I mean, the whole thing was to put Joe over. He's been out for a little bit, so they had him kicking and clutch two people. So uh, it was a squash match, in my opinion. I mean, it went a little longer than I expected. I expected Joe just to choke him out right off the bat. 
but obviously it went along there. And I thought I thought it was a fight match, but that that was kind of my opinion. How 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 did you feel about the two? I like the uh, the Rollins and Cesaro match itself. I, I I completely agree with you though. I'm sick of seeing this. Can we can we get? <laughs> I understand it's much harder modern day than it was back in the day when you were traveling and you could do the same shit over and over again. But yeah, use the mic. Uh, do a lot of different stuff than having Seth Rollins go against Cesaro. And the week before we had Dean Ambrose go against Sheamus. And oh shit. Are you telling me the Shield's actually going to get their title shot the next week? It's just so predictable. And, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I know they're the heels, but Cesaro and Sheamus always are champions that lose to the guys they're about to go against individually. Kind of makes no sense. As for the Samojo, yeah, I mean, that was whatever. Uh, Titus did have a decent showing for about two seconds, and then Samojo choked his ass out. So, uh, I thought they were fine. Uh you know, I like Samoa Joe and making him look like a badass is cool, even if he has to like, completely dis- destroy Titus Worldwide in the process. All right, let's move on. Sasha Banks, Mickey James, and Bailey versus Paige, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville never happened. Before the match, Paige's team, now called Absolution, revealed that they'd attack James and Bailey backstage, and then the three beat the crap out of Sasha Banks, all giving their finishers. We already talked about the Bray Wyatt uh, defeating Matt Hardy. Wyatt uh, pinned Hardy with Sister Abigail after the match. Hardy appeared to begin his transformation into his Woken character. And then we also had Rick Swan defeated Akira Tozawa, Noah Andar, Arya Davari. Kurt Angle announced that the winner of the Fatal 4-Way will face the winner of the second Fatal 4-Way in two weeks, with that winner of that match facing Enzo Amore for the Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, Swan won the match with a 450 splash on Dar. By the way, this I forgot where they were. I think they were they were Knoxville was uh, was uh, SmackDown. I don't remember where they were. Raw. I fucking hated the audience. They were awful. Uh, I just some some crowds just suck. Uh, I I just don't understand. You know, I understand you pay for the ticket, but to try to like overdo it and just even when it was the part where Sonya Deville was trying to talk on the mic, it's just like just shut the fuck up. Like it just pisses me off. I'm not expecting to act like a New Japan crowd, but I have a little respect for the performers, especially when they're giving you a badass cruiserweight match, and I really did think that this forward was a pretty damn good match. And it was like they were just all – they could not keep them from, you know, from shutting the fuck up. But, uh, yeah, I thought the the woman beating up Sasha was whatever. I just want to see what they're going to do with it. We already talked about the Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy stuff. And I, like I said, I thought the Cruiserweight match was great. Um, I thought Akira Tozawa was actually going to win it. I like Rich Swan. Let's see who he faces against uh, for the next Fatal 4-Way. Uh, how did you feel, Chris? Uh, I kind of agree on the crowd. Uh, the the Absolution team beat down made sense because they're building up, you know, probably to a 3v3 match. Um, it, they're protecting Alexa Bliss for some reason. I don't know what they're planning on doing with her, but it seems like they kind of don't have plans for her at the moment, uh, which is weird. Uh, so this is... I liked her leaving, though. It, Wasn't that great? When she was at the uh, yeah. the announce booth and she got the fuck out of there? Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. it's So it's going to be... I mean, I think we might get Paige versus Alexa Bliss at some point after this three... I think this is going to be a three-way match at a pay-per-view. They're, or they're going to build to that. Or build to separate matches. We'll see what happens, but... 
Uh, I'm not going to talk about Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy because I spent a lot of time on that earlier. Uh, Rich Swan and Akira versus uh, or uh, as a four way. Rich Swan, Akira Tozawa, Noam Dar, and Aria Davari. Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought it was really convoluted to have two four way matches to figure out who's going to be the cruiserweight, who's going to get a shot at the cruiserweight champ. Like just have a tournament. Yeah, like, just shit. separate this out into multiple matches and have a tournament. Like To me, that's, like, really convoluted. It's two four-way matches and then two single competitors going. To... The only reason I think they could do this is if Hiyo Otama is going to be in the second match. So, either that or you might get Neville coming back. I think that you're in the second four-way match, you're going to get a surprise. Um, so, that's something to look forward to. I thought the match itself was pretty damn good. I think the crowd was kind of shitty um, during the match. And it could be... I don't know. The show kind of started out a little bit slow. There was a squash match. Um, and then there was the, the absolution beatdown, which was a no match. And then you had Bray Wyatt beating Matt Hardy. And, and like I said, I think people have kind of cooled on Bray Wyatt a little bit. So the crowd's kind of in an uproar anyways, but they were kind of pissy that entire match, which was unfortunate because it was, I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, Swan's Phoenix splash at the end was pretty damn good. So um, I like Rich Swan. I just, I, I guess I don't, He's gotten a bunch of pushes in 205 Live that I think that Cedric Alexander kind of deserved a little bit more, and they haven't done enough with Cedric. I think they could be a valuable tag team on Maine. Yeah, and I've said that a lot about 205 guys. There's a reason why they can't be 205 Live and also still be a tag team Um, in the same sense of, like, you know, Brian Kendrick and uh, his tag partner, Paul London, back in the day, who were a smaller tag team, but they were still able to get wins because they were both high flyers, you know. Like, I think there's ways to do that, make that really cool, and give these guys something more meaningful to do, especially with a tag division kind of in the way it is where it's a little bit of a lull. Agreed. All right, well, let's go through these because I just realized that we got nine minutes left. <laughs> um, they gave Elias the longest... I enjoyed it because I thought it was hilarious. The longest segment before his match with Roman Reigns. And I love how Roman Reigns, he's this unstoppable machine that's going to beat Brock Lesnar. And I do like Roman. Uh, the only one that can really fuck him up is Braun Strowman. But for some reason, Elias is a suitable person to go against him. This is, I think, Elias' first actual match like for, for a main title. Um he, but Reigns ended up winning in a back-and-forth match with a spear after the match Samoa Joe attacked Reigns. Coolest part was seeing Samoa Joe come out. Um, I'd like to see a program with the two of them. I don't think they're going to give the title to Samoa Joe, which sucks, because I think they're going to keep this on Reigns until he goes against Brock. So, like we keep on saying, the 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 Shield will have every fucking title, basically. Oscar uh, defeated Dana Brooke. Uh, she actually uh, broke the record. I think it was six seconds that she won. Uh, she won with an arm bar. After the match, Absolution returned. T's attacking Asuka. All of them smiled really weirdly. Paige did that weird thing with her tongue, and Asuka left. Uh, then Kane defeated Jason Jordan. Kane won by countout when Jordan appeared to re-injure his knee, being the biggest bitch on the planet after telling his dad that he had it. Uh, so between those three things, real quick, Chris, tell me what you think. Man, all right, the fastest pin in WWE history is so up, like so subject at this point because they tried to say that Cesaro beat Daniel Bryan the fastest of all time, and that wasn't a thing. And they, they've done that multiple times, so I hate that angle. 
And also, it does absolutely dick for uh, Dana Brooke, who has been super sweet to me on Twitter. Twitter, so good looking out, Dana Brooke. You're gorgeous, love you. Uh, <laughs> I think that's just dumb, especially with a women's roster being a little thin, and you're gonna have to have someone for Absolution to go against. Just burying her like that is uh, it's kind of shitty, but I understand why they did it. Asuka, Asuka's gonna look like a beast. I don't know that she has to win like immediately like that. Um, Roman Reigns. Uh, defeating uh, the Drifter, I thought I thought it was a decent match, and it's kind of what I expected. Samoa Joe attacking him was kind of a surprise because I thought they were going to keep them separated for a little bit because Reigns hasn't beat Joe, so I'm assuming that's going to be the storyline. Um, if I'm if I'm still right on that, I don't think he's ever beat him in singles competition. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure how that goes. But yeah, I, I think I caught did I catch it all? Yeah, I think so. Moving a little fast. Sorry. No, you're fine. I mean, the only thing that you didn't catch it goes along with the last thing. So, Kane defeated Jason Jordan, like I said, uh, because he bitched out and re-injured his leg. Afterwards, Finn Balor came out to save him, uh, but Kane got disqualified when he attacked him with a chair. Uh, so then Braun Strowman came out to save Finn Balor. Strowman no-sold chair shots in the back, attacked Kane with a chair, and power slammed him onto the ring steps. Braun ended the attack by attacking Kane's throat with a chair, getting revenge for the week prior. Uh, basically, he just rookie steamboat him, man. He just destroyed his trachea. Uh, How did you feel about that whole entire thing? And who the fuck is going against Kane? Is it Braun? Is it Finn? Is it both? Uh, is Jason Jordan okay? Is he still the son of Kurt Angle? Uh, I thought Finn Balor coming out was really stupid. I, I think they just put him there because they didn't have anything for him to do, in all honesty. And they booked him on the show. Uh, because obviously you could have just done Kane versus Jason Jordan until Braun came out for the save. Because the whole thing is like Braun is pissed at Kane. So Finn being there and helping Jason, like why would Finn Balor help Jason Jordan? Like they're not friends. They haven't ever talked on camera. Like why would he give a single fuck? So to me that was dumb. And like, yeah, he beat him by disqualification, but then he immediately just got smashed with a chair. So my thought is probably a four-way match between these four for, for no well, we'll have to find out. Let's move on to SmackDown. we got a couple more minutes to be able to go over this. Uh, show opened with Shane McMahon, who brought out Daniel Bryan and complained that Bryan did not fire Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens last week. He then made Owens versus Randy Orton a no-disqualification match and barred Zayn from ringside, even though it's a no-disqualification match. Uh, after that, the New Day defeated Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Um, the Oso sat on commentary for the match. Uh, it was really nice. The New Day brought up pancakes. Uh, for the commentators and the Usos. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods hit the up, up, down, down on Benjamin, and Woods pinned him. Um, let me just let me just say that who the fuck is going to go against the Usos? I thought that you were having Benjamin and Gable go over. You know, the New Day can take a pin. I mean, what the hell's the point? What, so who the fuck are they going to go against? I'm assuming it has to be the Bludgeon Brothers who defeated the Hype Bros. The Bludgeon Brothers hit their finisher on Zack Ryder and Rowan, and pinned him. After the match, Mojo Riley attacked the shit out of Zack Ryder during an interview and beat him down, yelling that the Hype Bros are dead. Mojo is now not going to be uh, John Cena light. He's now going to be a heel. Weird. Uh, so how did you feel about the opening, the New Day match with uh, Benjamin and Gable, and then the Bludgeon Brothers, who I actually do like, even though they look ridiculous, they look like LARPers, but they beat the Hype Bros. I'm assuming it's going to be the, the Bludgeon Brothers versus the Usos at some point. I would assume so. I think 
I think it was bad for Shelton and Chad to lose here. They probably should have got the win against the New Day. Um, unless they're building that to a feud, I guess that's what's going to do. Bludgeon Brothers, they're cool and all, but I feel like they should have started at the bottom. So they did beat the Hype Bros, but they should have had to go through New Day. And then, like to me, them going against New Day made sense because they had a previous feud. Um, and then Shelton and Chad should have went against the Usos. And to me, I would keep the titles on the Usos until fucking Mania. Like, I wouldn't have them lose to any of them, even though, like, you're trying to make the Bludgeon Brothers a thing. I would literally have the Usos beat everyone on the SmackDown roster and then call out uh, Seth and Dean Ambrose, who I think will be champions up until Mania, and then have a Champions versus Champions match just to have it. Uh, Because I think that match, they like, I think that is one, that would be one hell of a match. After seeing what the New Day could do with Seth and Dean, I can only imagine what the Usos would be able to do. And I think that would be one hell of a fucking match. That's how I would put it, but they're not going to do that. So, moving on. They're not, but that would be awesome. All right, handicap match. AJ Styles defeated the Singh brothers. Jinnah Mahal attacked Styles before the match started. Styles delivered a second rope Styles clash, holding one Singh brother and landing on the other and one by pinfall. Mahal attacked the Sings after the match. Uh, come to find out, Singh Brothers, I think, are done with uh, Raw. That was their send-off, pretty much. All right. Uh, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan defeated Naomi, Charlotte, and Natalia. Natalia abandoned her team early and went to the back. Morgan and Logan took out Naomi on the outside, gave her a fake injury and still steps, leaving Charlotte alone. Riot hit her uh, overhead kick finisher and got the pin. I think it's a fucking Pele kick, but there's like four different fucking names for it, depending on the commentator. And also, Brazongo had their Fashion Files, which was a Saw parody. Hilarious. I don't know really what they're doing with these guys, but if they want to give them money by making me laugh, I'm down for that. Um, well, we got 90 seconds, Chris. Uh, I'll just throw in the, the uh, no-DQ match. Kevin Owens defeated Randy Orton. Sami Zayn interfered in the match, even though he wasn't supposed to be there. Attacking Orton with a chair on the ramp. Owens won via pinfall after a frog splash. That was actually a pretty damn good match, by the way. I don't like how they're making Kevin Owens a little bitch. Uh, do you have any statements before we uh, start leaving this show, buddy? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say I really enjoyed the Kevin Owens match. I think it's really funny. I think that Kevin Owens will come out and make fun of uh, Shane for making it no DQ, but then saying that Sammy was barred from ringside because that doesn't make any sense. So hopefully they play off no that. Sense. Ruby Riot uh, did well. Uh, I, in her first appearance, in my opinion. And then AJ Styles be, defeating the Singh brothers made sense. It also gives Jinder Mahal a more monster-type character that he can play off of, where he's like, I don't need help anymore. So maybe he can build his character into a little bit more than what it currently is. The biggest disappointment in this is Nakamura was nowhere to be found, um, yep. as well as uh, Bobby Roode and uh, fucking Dolph Ziggler. They should have been able to fit them on the show somehow. Uh, that Saul Perry well, was funny, too. Well, maybe, Chris, they were having brunch together. I don't know. Either way, thank you guys so much for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and check us out next week. You guys have a good one. See ya.